This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Really excited to once again be joined by special guest Graham Barfield of Fantasy Points. Graham, I look forward to this every year, our annual discussing the the new running back class. Welcome back to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. Always fun to talk to you, talk some ball. Uh, it's gonna be a, gonna be a good show. This is a really fun running back landscape. Just playing fantasy this year, playing best ball. Um, yeah, I know your show is is obviously you know Debbie and Dynasty focused. I think it's a less fun landscape uh, there <laughs> in that front. But at least for like seasonals and best ball, I think this this running back landscape is a lot of fun. I don't know about you, man. I just did a, a recent Dynasty startup, and this this running back landscape is pretty brutal. There's like six to seven backs that I actually like want to invest in, you know, and then it's it's like a big long flat tier of of different risk different reward uh it's a really really hard time i think to be a buyer of running backs in dynasty yeah i mean and and we'll go to the rookies in a second but like even guys that we thought during last season right before breeds hall's injury you know before seattle drafted another running back this year on day two right exactly Brees halls that you know Brees hall can't walker would have been those guys that probably people were actively wanting to buy in dynasty and now you know obviously charbonnet maybe changed the narrative a little bit there with kenneth walker Brees hall coming back from the injury reports whether they're to be believed or not that the jets were thinking about taking jameer gibbs is that that seemed like it was far-fetched, but there was a lot of people, Dame Brugler at the top of the list, you know, speaking that narrative, and he's not usually someone just pushing hyperbola out there. Like, so like you lead me to believe that like it's possible, right? So, so I feel like the days of like the workhorse running backs that you feel so confident about for years, that's like long by the wayside now. There's a few and far outliers that maybe we feel that way, but it, it kind of seems like the dynasty running back landscape is forever now going to be it's like it used to be like maybe we could think about three to four years. Now right. it's almost like the running back. It's like you better think about one, two years and we'll see besides most people. And I think that's what's really changed over the years. We always knew it was a short lifespan and a short like thinking out. I think now it's even shorter than we've ever seen at the running back position with teams looking to invest more resources, committees, specialty backs, et cetera, et cetera. So let's let's go into this draft class. B. John Robinson obviously a premier back when you studied him when you watched him was he one of the best you've ever studied was he near the top was he a little was he behind that one or two guys just some overall takes on what you thought of Bijan uh when you evaluated him sure so I did not do yards created this year I had to take the year off uh unfortunately just time constraints I'm hoping that next year, not only will I be able to do the 2024 class, I'll actually be able to go back and back chart. I should have some time. So no yards created data this year, unfortunately. But I, I'm obviously super familiar with the class. I've, I spent as much time as I could watching. I've been, I mean, we've all been watching Bijan since, what, 2020? Dude's been, I think, the best running back in college football since he became the starter. Um, the question is, you know, obviously, what he, can he not do? Uh, it's pretty much everything. Uh, I think he's right on par with Saquon Barkley uh, as the best running back prospect that I've seen come out in now my, gosh, 10 years of playing and and, uh, and analyzing backs and playing fantasy. Um, he's right there. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, he's in that tier. 
this year for fantasy, I, I think, he, at least for seasonals, I think he's priced pretty much at his ceiling. I actually have Austin Eckler ahead of Bijan in my rankings, and uh, that's a number of different things. It's Eckler just having, you know, obviously the, the pedigree. Chargers offense is significantly better. Uh, I think Eckler will catch fewer balls this year, but with more efficiency. The question with Bijan for me, the only question I have for fantasy is just to what extent Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson are going to be involved. But, you know, we just started at the top of the show. Which running backs do you want to invest in in fantasy? Bijan's obviously the one. Uh, if you still have a rookie rookie draft you're doing, uh, I mean, Bijan is is the clear 101 in Superflex, all rookie drafts. Uh, I have I have not wavered for that one, and he's been my 101 for the 2023 class since, gosh, probably 2020. So, yeah, lock and load Bijan. Uh, this year, I am. I, I think he is priced. If you're, you know, if you're playing seasonals, you're playing best ball. I think he's priced correctly. Uh, I don't think uh, there's a whole lot of of equity in terms of upside. I, I don't think Bijan finishes as the the RB one this year. I don't think that's in his range of outcomes. I think there's too many good backs on too many good offenses. That can do it. Falcons need a big. Yeah, I mean, they would I need a big, big leap, man. We would need a big leap from Desmond Ritter. But I think, obviously, we're all in on Bijan's talent. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like you talked about, there's not a lot, a ton of running backs that you want to invest in. So when you're talking even redraft or best ball, right? There's McCaffrey, there's Eckler, and then you start to get into the mix with Bijan there for sure. And you're right, he's priced as having a star-studded season with those other wide receivers. And and you know, in terms of rookie drafts and and, and startup dynasties, I think we all know that Bijan, you know, sits atop there in terms of the running back rankings for sure. If we pivot this over to Jameer Gibbs. When you look at Jameer Gibbs, obviously the Lions made an investment in him that was even greater than, you know, most people expected in terms of draft capital whispers that he maybe could have won even as high as six if they didn't trade back, which is wild. Uh, When you look at Jameer Gibbs, I've been on record as saying, like, I understood the usage comparisons to Alvin Kamara, but the size frame to me reminded me, you just talked about him. Like if he hits his ceiling, I think he could be more on the Austin Eckler type because yeah. there was like a 15 pound difference between Kamara to Jameer Gibbs, where the Eckler size frame fits a little bit better. Is that how you kind of see him best being utilized? Very similar to Austin Eckler type. And where do you kind of look at him this year? Are you in on him in all formats? Do you have more concerns about David Montgomery taking too much work that maybe he's a little bit, you know, overinflated in redraft or best ball? What, what's your thoughts on Jameer? Love Jameer Gibbs's tape. Obviously, the pass catching ability pops off immediately. He's so good, you know, and fluid in space. Uh, extremely creative. I think he's a much better receiver than DeAndre Swift was coming out. And, and by the way, I was, you know, we can go back and run the tape. You and I uh, talked about DeAndre Swift years ago. I was a huge DeAndre Swift fan. Uh, here's the thing, Paul. I mean, running backs that get drafted this early, they tend to produce very, very quickly in fantasy. Uh, since 2010, there have been 11 running backs taken inside the top 15 overall. Gibbs was taken 12th. Eight of those nine previous running backs finished as an RB1, that's top 12 by fantasy points, within their first two years. They had at least one RB1 season within their first two years. Eight of the nine did. The only one who didn't was C.J. Spiller, uh, fantasy catnip for longtime fantasy players. C.J. Spiller was the only one who really didn't live up to expectations, at least in terms of fantasy. I'm buying Jameer Gibbs, especially in PPR leagues, especially when he goes in the fourth round of PPR drafts for seasonals, best ball, uh, I think he's a little bit worse of a bet in half 
uh, half point PPR or standard leagues where you don't get points for reception, just because like you mentioned, I think Montgomery is going to be heavily involved, especially near the goal line. But all of that being said, you know, Gibbs could score six, seven touchdowns this year only, you know, I'm putting air quotes on mm-hmm. only six, seven touchdowns. It still finishes like the RB 15 or 16, just because I think he's going to have such a great role in the passing game. Yeah. I mean, and you like to think when teams invest in a, in a player that you got to know how to utilize them and take advantage of it. I think right now, Ben Johnson, that offensive coordinator, is one of those OCs that we look at with a guy with a plan, a guy who knows how to be creative, a guy know, who will know how to maximize his the, the skill sets and the traits of his players that he has on his roster. So I think there's more than enough. Like I think sometimes in fantasy, we worry too much about, is there an alpha wide receiver? Does that mean that the other guy who's number two can't be great? I I remember that conversation years ago with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. And I think we even see that now in the backfields and people got to be more open that we've already talked about it. That true bell cow, they're, they're going to be like five or six if we're lucky anymore in, in a normal year that like, yeah, it's probably best for Jameer Gibbs if he's not that. Like think about it, the Chargers have wanted to find the compliment to Austin Eckler forever. They've tried almost every year with that like early day three pick and yeah. no one's really materialized and they've just always had to find their way back into giving Eckler this monster workload. I don't think out of want, more out of necessity. And I think, you know, right now Montgomery being there might even, yeah, he'll steal some short yard touchdowns for sure. But I think it's it's something where Gibbs will Gibbs will get touches that are more valuable for fantasy, right? It's it's, it's your it's your uh, you know partner over there, right? Scott Barrett always talks yep. about how much more like a, a, a reception or a target is worth in, in fantasy for running backs than than a carry is, and I think that's what we want out of Jameer Gibbs. We want those exactly. high value touches, uh, and I think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of that early on this year. That kind of takes us through the easy to talk about running backs from this rookie class. After that, now I think really opens the floor. Uh, recently, I had on my Clay and Sigmund Bloom were my two previous guests, and you know we talked about it. And those are two guys I respect tremendously in the industry, and and they kind of look at it a little bit differently. You know, Sig's Sig's into Devin A. Chain and you know Ty J. Spears and their big playability. You know, Mike Clay's a little bit down on them and has a lot of concerns about the size, especially for Devin A. Chain, uh, yeah. and he prefers more Charbonnet and Kendra Miller. Where do you kind of kind of you know lie on the next wave of running backs from this rookie class? Whether you want to take a little bit of a redraft perspective first, and then maybe a little bit a bigger picture dynasty perspective, uh, because I do think there's a lot of ways you can go with that next wave of running backs from this rookie class. Yes, there is. Uh, it is a really <laughs> interesting uh, RB three through RB ten. Uh, I think it's been when I when I you know I know I said I didn't do yards created. Uh, when I was initially looking at this class, I was like, man, there's really no difference between RB3 and like RB8. And I'm still sitting here on July 12th, Paul, and I still really feel about the same way. There's really <laughs> not a huge difference between RB3 and RB8. It's really eye of the beholder, very much an eye of the beholder class. Uh, I will say I share similar concerns to Mike Clay about A-Chain's size. Uh, he's 188 pounds. There are just very few backs that come in sub 195 that end up being fantasy relevant. Uh, I, I did a study on this, and I'm actually going to write an article about it later this offseason if I have a little bit of time, about undersized running backs because A-Chain and uh, Gibbs, uh, a couple of guys in this class are, are undersized. And what I found 
was that just very rarely do these backs that are sub 190, sub 195, uh, 195 pounds, they just very rarely see enough rushing volume. In fact, there's only been a few running backs that have carried the ball more than 12 times on average per season uh, at 195 or less. And there's only a handful that have done it multiple times. Work done is really the only guy who's been sub 195 and had multiple, multiple seasons of 12 or more carries. Now we can go back to the whole debate with a chain of, uh, you know, this will be a committee backfield. This, you know, the whole point is, you know, he'll be the passing down back, yada, yada, yada. The point is I'm very concerned that he will not be able to have enough rushing volume to really matter too much in fantasy. I'm, I'm, more into Charbonnet and Kendra Miller as well, but I'm I'm not exactly excited to draft either of those guys. I thought Ken Walker was the RB one in last year's class. I loved Brees Hall, but I, I thought Walker was an extremely special runner, and we saw that on display last year. I mean, he was one of the best home run hitters in the NFL. I think Charbonnet will come in and kind of just be the backup to Ken Walker. If you look at the Seahawks uh, depth chart last year. They had no depth after Rashad Penny got hurt. They had literally no depth. It was Ken Walker and Travis Homer. I think Pete Carroll went into this draft and was like, okay, Ken Walker is still the 1A. We got to get somebody that's a bigger back, that can play all three downs, that can pass block, uh, that can play, uh, that can take red zone carries too. I think Charbonnet is going to play a little bit in the red zone. All of that being said, I still think he's just a timeshare back behind a less, ta- uh, he's the less talented version uh, in the backfield. I like Tajay Spears quite a bit for best ball this year, though. Uh, I'll take it that direction. I think he is significantly underpriced in PPR leagues for his pass-catching ability. Uh, Obviously, there's massive contingent upside. We don't have to talk too much about that. If Derrick Henry were to sustain a a massive injury or miss a lot of time, uh, Tajay Spears is really the only guy on the depth chart uh, that is capable of cap- uh, capable handling a big workload. Obviously, the big concern with Spears, though, Paul, is he doesn't have an ACL. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was multiple reports that came out that he has like basically arthritis in his knee. Uh, he he was still healthy enough last year to, to handle 250 plus touches, which to me signals that maybe he's got one, two, three years. Which, like we just talked about. That's the window we're operating under. Anyway, these one to two, three-year windows. I think Tajay Spears is a fine pick in the third round of rookie drafts. You're still doing rookie drafts, especially if you need like a short-term back. I am not expecting long-term numbers from him because of his knee, but I actually think he's probably the one out of like the Charbonnet, A-Chain, Kendra Miller group that's most likely to produce this year. I think if, if you just think of it logically, Derek Henry is about to be 29. You know, he's going into his age 30 season. He's 29 now. He'll be 30 at the end of the year. If the Titans are going to do anything in the AFC, they've got to get a second back involved to keep Henry healthy. The last guy I want to talk to you about, and I want to get your opinion on this Bears backfield, because Roshan Johnson, man, I mean, he was stuck behind Bijan, but holy crap, his tape popped. I mean, this dude, I felt like if you put, if you plopped him into a, uh, FBS school with a de- decent offensive line, and you just gave him 250 touches, we would be talking about Roshan Johnson in the same light as Zach Charbonnet. It's just he was behind Bijan. We just didn't get a huge sample of him. I absolutely loved his small sample of tape. Uh, Roshan is just for this year, I, I think I like Roshan better than Kendra Miller, uh, especially with Alvin Kamara, most likely not going to be suspended that long. Uh, Jamal Williams in tow there with the Saints. I think Kendra Miller is actually, ironically, my favorite dynasty pick out of this whole uh, RB3 through RB10 group because he's, one, extremely young, 
Two, loved his tape. Three, uh, Kamara and Jamal Williams are most likely going to be gone next year. So Kendra is probably my my favorite in Dynasty. This is an extremely long-winded answer. Uh, but there is a lot to talk about between these guys. I, I want to pick your brain on Roshan because this Bears backfield is one that I can't figure out. Yeah, I mean, Roshan was a guy that I had him higher. I wasn't a huge Charbonnet fan. He was like seven or eight for me. He wasn't in the, he wasn't in my top three, top five. Roshan Johnson was. I loved Roshan. So nice. I'm right there with you. Uh, him and Tank Bigsby were, were kind of my guys that I thought the other people, the general consensus was sleeping on a little bit. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I know they brought in, I, I think by the second half of the year, Roshan starts to clearly run away, I think, with the most work in that backfield. I think it might be a little bit slow to start. He is a day three pick. I don't think it's the same situation as Damian Pierce. Right. I think there's more in the Bears' backfield. Khalil Herbert, who I genuinely like as a talent. I liked him when he was coming out of ETAC. He had some glimpses. I think he's a good player. I think he could be a productive guy. And then Dante Foreman, you know, has shown the ability to be, you know, a guy who can move the chains and, and be that power inside rusher. So I think there's a little bit more he's got to work through than Damian Pierce. It kind of just the floodgates opened up, right? It was Rex Burkhead had that weird week one last year before Damian yeah. Pierce kind of seized it. And, 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 you know, and that was it. I don't expect that to be the case for Roshan. I think it'll be a little bit more committee early on, but I kind of think there the, the talent is going to rise. And like you said, if he was playing just about anywhere else, but like Texas, you know, in a few other spots, I think we're talking about a guy who would have probably rushed for 1,200 yards in college, would have caught 40 passes. Because I do think he has a three down skill set. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm intrigued by him. Uh, I think he's a guy that, you know. The day free capital is not something that you feel safe about. We've we've been through that, you know, we've been down that road before, the Michael Carter, like, you know, and, and other ones in the past. So I don't think you feel safe about that. But at the same time, I think he's in a unique scenario that if he was somewhere else and there was more, you know, more evidence of him being a guy who could be the bell cow and make more explosive plays, I think we maybe would have seen him going in the day two mix there. Uh, so yes, I'm intrigued by him. And then you brought up Ty J Spears. And I think the thing about Ty J Spears is if Tennessee doesn't get off to a decent start and they always seem to overplay their expectations, right? They do that better than just about anybody in the league. There's a real chance that the Titans at some point have to start fielding trade offers. And we know the market at the running back position, it's not a lot, but if, if they're, you know, if they're sitting there like, and they pull the plug on Tannehill and they go to Will Levis, you know, I think they have to at least see if they can get a day two pick for Derrick Henry at this point. So, like, it could even open up a little bit more for Ty J. Spears than we might think. And if they really hand over the whole reins to Will Levis for the following year, is it really, you know, is Derrick Henry really the guy if they're going to fully hit the reset button and the reload button? So I think that opens up the door a little bit more for a guy like Ty J. Spears. Then the next guy I want to pick your brain on, and I mentioned him, Tank Bigsby, you know, Travis Ethian is there, and, and I feel like Ethian is a very, you know, polarizing person on Twitter right now. Some are really concerned about him. Some are still under the belief he was a pass-catching running back coming out of college, which I don't know how that narrative ever started. You know, I think just because he's fast, like, people thought that he was good at that. He really never was. He was okay at it his final year at college when he went back there, surprisingly. Uh, what's your thought on Tank and even even tying Travis Ethian? Because I know a lot of people, you know, are on one side of another. I know I just drafted Travis Ethian. I think it was round five in the Scott Fishbowl uh, as my second running back. Uh, so just thoughts maybe on the Jacksonville, the, the Bigs B and ETN. Sure. So you're absolutely right. I, I have no clue where the ETN is a great 
passed down back narrative came from. I mean, he he had a lot of bulk receptions in his final couple of years at Clemson. But again, this is this is why yards created is so important. I I have to bring it back. Uh, when I was charting ETN, I was like, man, he's just not running routes though. Like most of these catches are coming on just screens and stuff. And that's exactly what the numbers board out in college. Like the overwhelming majority of of ETN's catches in college uh, came on screens, flat routes. Just he's you know he's not a, he's not a route runner. Uh, and I think I even noted in my breakdown like he's not just a natural hands catcher. Uh, I think last year ETN was a highly underrated runner though. He was basically a rookie coming off one of the worst injuries you can have as a running back. I mean, it's either you hurt your knee or you badly injure your foot. Uh, ETN came back. He had, in my mind, the same or even slightly better burst than I remember from him at Clemson. I mean, I, I've been watching, we've all been watching ETN since gosh, 2018, 2019. Um, I think ETN is the clear lead back in Jacksonville. I think tank is a functional backup who can play all three downs if you asked him to, but if we're going to compare athletic traits, explosive ability, Travis ETN is, is the clear number one. I also think this is like a perfect marriage of ETN and Doug Peterson. Peterson's scheme is just very much, uh, it's zone heavy, but they also scheme up, some looks where ETN is basically just like pointing and shooting. And that's the type of offense he needs to be in. He needs to be in a point and shoot, give me a direction and just go. Uh, I was reading some articles uh, from ETN and the running backs coach there. They're saying, you know, there's a lot of meat left on the ball that ETN had last year. And I'm sitting here thinking like, he's absolutely right. When I was watching Jags games this year, but ETN still ran for well over a thousand yards. All of his advanced metrics were good in terms of yards after contact and missed tackles for us. So I, again, there's these narratives that we get built up and I don't know what it's been with ETN. There's been this like uh, fantasy community bias against him that he was a passing down back, which he never was. Uh, and now everybody thinks he's a mid runner and I don't get that at all either. Anybody that looks into the numbers or actually watches the games, I don't see how you could think that all of that being said for fantasy though, Paul, I mean, we're still projecting touches. We're still projecting range of outcomes and Tank Bixby definitely hurts ETN's ceiling in totality. Uh, we want ETN on the field 70% of the time like he was last year, even though he wasn't getting a, tar- getting a ton of targets. He was on the field a ton. I think Bixby will eat into ETN's uh, snap share quite a bit, but I do not think uh, ETN is in danger of like losing his job as the 1A runner. If anything, I think Bigsby will play more in passing downs than people think. And I think Bigsby is the far superior pass blocker. ETN has never been a good pass blocker. He never will be. That's probably not his game. We want ETN you know, running those check downs and screens anyway. I think Bigsby's role, at least early in the season, will be as a pass blocker and change of pace back to the one Travis ETN. Yeah, and I think... Ethan, while he will lose some percentage, I think, in the snap share, I think it could be offset by the fact that I think if Jacksonville has that next gear in their offense, right, if this is the year that Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence is going to break out and be a flat-out superstar, it might not matter for fantasy, right? It it might – Travis Ethan, like, is still, I think, there's a a world where even as we get concerned about 
Tank Bigsby that he still has a really great fantasy season if that offense takes off with the addition of Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence just takes another step in his progression. You know, Jacksonville's still an offense that I'm looking to want to invest in, and I yep. still think there's there's room there. Like they said, like the, the coach said, his meet left on there for for Ethan, and like you said, this is only really his second year, and it's another year removed from that major injury. So I'm still in on, on Travis Ethan, even though I do like Tank Bigsby there. We'll see how that kind of plays out. From the other day three running backs, is there one other guy that you're intrigued with? Whether, you know, obviously we got to see, it sounds like Joe Mixon's going to be there unless something happens late here and, and pushes, you know, uh, you know, that situation differently. We'll see about Saquon. I think some way he's going to be there by week one. Uh, but is it Eric Gray? Is it, um, you know, Chase Brown? Is it Chris Rodriguez in Washington? Is it uh, Evans with the Rams? Is there another date for re-running back, one or two names that, that you're a little intrigued with, either for redraft, just as a stash, or somebody maybe you're like, you know what, I'm intrigued with him enough, at least for Dynasty, and let's see what happens. For Dynasty, Chris Rodriguez is one guy that's kind of made my list in late fourth round, early fifth round picks and rookie drafts. Uh, this is one guy that Scott Barrett liked quite a bit, just from an analytical perspective. Um, and I trust Scott and, you know, in terms of his analytics, just right up there with anybody. Uh, Eric, the chief's new offensive coordinator basically went out of his way to pick Rodriguez. And look, he's a six round rookie uh, who does not have just an amazing college pedigree. But if you just look, you know, I, I think we're kind of striking on a tone here where you and I are, uh, you know, we haven't said it, but we're thinking the same way. We're investing in in offenses. You know, we're thinking of these running backs in terms of how the Jags project as a whole, right? Like Trevor Lawrence could have an Andrew Luck type of season this year where he just blows up. Uh, all of that being said, I don't think the commanders are that this year. But if you just look down the road, right, like they could be very well in line for a very early pick next year. There's one, two. Brian Robinson is not – I like Brian Robinson quite a bit. I was a big Brian Robinson fan, but he's not guaranteed to start a job beyond week one this year. And this coaching staff has not really shown us they love Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think Ron Rivera has you know, had his kind of way with this backfield. I think the enemy is going to be able to you know, take over the offense and, and really uh, make it his own. And if, this is a, you know, if it's merit-based and he loves Chris Rodriguez, I think Rodriguez has a real chance out of all of these guys um, – to, to produce not just next year, but actually at the end of this year, depending on how this backfield shakes out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does Rodriguez get that opportunity? And like you said, does the the commander's offense, if they get an early pick next year and it lands to Caleb Williams or Drake May or another quarterback emerges, you know, to, to go near the top of the draft, we could see that offense start to little click a little bit and they don't have things locked in at the running mm-hmm. back position. So it opens the door a little bit. Before I get you out of here, let me ask you, you mentioned Brian Robinson. So let me let me go back to last year's running back class and just pick your brain for a second. Some of the guys who I think last year, you know, we may see them take a step this year, whether it's usage, maybe they it's become an all around runner from the, like the likes of like Rashad white in Tampa Bay, James cook in Buffalo uh, Pacheco, who we obviously saw finish out the season strong. You mentioned Brian Robinson. Is there one or two of those that, that you're most intrigued with? Cause I feel like the, the wind, the, the range is very wide, right? Some people are like, yeah, James Cook could be the discount version of Jameer Gibbs. And other people are like, well, maybe he's Devin A-Chain and he's just not big enough and, and he, can't, he can't have a major role. On some of those second-year guys, is, mm-hmm. is there one or two that, that you're most intrigued with? Yeah, Brian Robinson for sure is the number one guy. Um, look, I mean, obviously what happened in August between him getting shot, 
sustaining bullet, bullet injuries in his, in his butt and his leg. Uh, you know, it's been interesting. I'll say, uh, to see people on Twitter saying, you know, he's not good. Uh, yeah, he wasn't good to start the year because the dude was trying to come back from gunshot wounds. At the end of last year, Robinson was more like the player I saw at Alabama. Uh, surprisingly good burst for a player of his size. Um, I, I think, you know, we get too hung up on uh, sex appeal at the running back position. What coaches really like is can you pick up what's blocked first? Secondly, what do you provide after what's blocked? And Brian Robinson is a bulldozer when he's right, man. Like he is, he's not, he's not elusive in terms of his lateral agility, but he is, he can absolutely make some guys miss uh, with either subtle burst. uh, He's got good power. I think there's a chance that B-Rob plays more on passing downs this year too. The running back coach uh, for the commanders was talking about that this off season, that he was surprised at how, how good of a a pass catcher Brian Robinson was. Uh, that didn't really surprise me. I thought he was pretty good at Alabama. I mean, he's not Austin Eckler. He's not Christian McCaffrey, but he can catch it a little bit. Um, definitely excited for B-Rob this year, and I'm really just excited to see how this commander's backfield plays out as a whole. Rashad White, man, uh, that, that, that he is one guy I've gone back and forth on all offseason. Uh, on the one hand, I was not a big fan of him as a prospect. Love his pass-catching ability. Did not think he was a very good runner. Last year, the numbers showed that. I mean, he was really bad as a runner, right there with Leonard Fournette um, in terms of his efficiency. Uh, if you look at his man block, uh, man blocking, zone blocking, uh, rush attempts, all of it. Uh, White really struggled last year, but he was a good pass catcher. Not surprising. All of that being said, I mean, we're walking into uh, a situation here where the depth chart is him and Keyshawn Vaughn, you know? Uh, if that stays, like Rashad White is going to end up being one of the best best ball values just based on volume. Um, I still don't. I'm not a big believer in the player, but it's one of those situations, Paul, where if we're projecting touches. You know, I think Rashad White is certainly in a great spot. I still think they can sign a veteran though, which might throw a whole wrench in that backfield. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you know, there's still veterans out there. Uh, who can change some backfields, you know, as we head into training camp or even during training camp or before the season starts for sure. Graham, thank you so much for hopping on here. Always a pleasure to talk some running back prospects with you. Uh, I'm sure most of my audience is following you, but please let them know where to follow you. Uh, let them know if there's anything you're specifically working on there over at Fantasy Points that you want to share out as well. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, at Graham Barfield on Twitter. Uh, really excited for this, Paul, though. We have a brand new product coming out. Uh, for the last two years, we've been behind the scenes. Our development team, our t- data collection team have been charting every single NFL game for the last two years. We are launching in five days our new Fantasy Points data suite, which will have uh, every single tool you could imagine for fantasy football. We're going to have uh, this tool. These tools will be able to have split features so you can sort through basically any stat that you could possibly think of. We have splits for, I mean, just for example, if you're looking at the receivers page like I was this morning, I mean, you can split out uh, production by, you know, where they're running their routes out wide in the slot. Uh, you can split that for team defense to see what uh, production team defenses are giving up to, to outside receivers. This tool is, is unbelievable. Uh, myself, Scott Barrett, Brett Whitefield, Chris Wecht, and our development team have been working on this hard. So uh, we're, we're really excited to launch this, and I think it's going to be a game changer for the fantasy space. So that's that's definitely one thing to keep keep an eye out for in the next couple of days. 
guys, make sure you're following Graham. Make sure you're subscribing over there at Fantasy Points. Top-notch stuff there. I've always gone on record. I buy a few subscriptions every year. Fantasy Points is locked and loaded as one of my few that I purchase every single year. It, it will help you tremendously. Make sure you're going over there and subscribing. So, on behalf of Graham, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.